Okay, I'm going to be reading from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And John writing this letter. That's the Apostle John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And some translations also say, your joy may be complete. Well, let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to have your word. Thank you, your word was there in the beginning with you, and that's Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he came and, and displayed and showed who you really are. So, Father, please give us the wisdom to read the scriptures, to understand them and to apply them to our hearts and our minds so we can be doers of your word. Not only allowing your word to sanctify us and transform us, but also to grow us, mature us, so that we can love you more and love one another. So, Father, as we work through 1 John, help us to examine our own hearts to see if we are holding fast the gospel of Christ, if we are fellowshipping with you, Father, and with each other. And Father, be merciful to those that are struggling with COVID and those that are, are recovering. Please be merciful to them. And I pray that if it's your will, you restore them all back to good health. We know that you've taken some home to be with you. Be merciful to the families that have been left behind, Father. Comfort them. But thank you that for the Christian there is hope. Because our hope is in you and we have eternal life. We don't die. So thank you, Father. Thank you for all that you've given us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. But help us now to listen to what your word has to say. Help us to examine our hearts and be built up in Christ Jesus. To walk in his ways, to hold fast the commandments. To confess them and to make them known. Help us to walk in the same manner or the same way in which Jesus walked. Honouring you, doing your will, obeying you, trusting you and serving. Help us, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I'm going to continue with Joy Complete. We looked at our first truth last week as we looked at the first four verses. And we will soon continue with our second truth. And we're looking at these truths to open our pathway to joy complete. Now when I say joy complete, I'm not saying we've arrived and we have perfect joy. I'm talking about, is our joy complete in God? Or do we find our joy more complete in the world? Now there's nothing wrong with having joy in the world. There's nothing wrong with the world bringing you joy. Like I said last week, it's going to be great joy when this virus goes. It's great joy when you arrive at your holiday destination. 
Okay, now you're on holiday. It's great joy when you've been saving up for something and now you can go and buy it. There's nothing wrong with some of these worldly joys. But that mustn't be your joy complete. Your joy complete should be in God alone because joy is a gift from Him. He's the one that puts the joy in our heart. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And we have to cultivate this joy. We have to fight for this joy. Sometimes you wake up and you're joyless in the morning. You've gone to bed in a good mood, but you somehow wake up in a sour mood. And, and the, the joy is not there. So you have to go and fight for it. You have to go to the Scriptures, ask God to turn your way, your eyes from looking at vanity, revive you in your word, so that you can fight for this joy. It's not manufactured. It's got to be cultivated from the Scriptures. And when we think of a beautiful Scripture, which, which, which is about joy, we should all think of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. This verse should come to our mind. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And that's, they're talking about Jesus. No one has seen Jesus. But we love Him because He has put His love in our hearts. Though you do not see Him, or though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. It's a joy that you cannot explain. It's a joy that you find that you have no words. It's beyond words. It's beyond speech. It's beyond expression. It's a joy that comes from the heart. Like I said, it's a gift. And God puts that joy in our hearts. And it's joy complete in Him. We all have had prayers answered. And doesn't it bring great joy to your heart when God answers a prayer, especially if you've been suffering or struggling with something? And then God hears you and He answers your prayer. That is joy complete. That is joy coming from God, who's working supernaturally in your heart or supernaturally in the world. But we also know from Paul's letters that when he writes to the church of Philippi, he, he commands the church of Philippi to have this joy. Joy is a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I will say, rejoice. Let's be honest. People out there either see us being joyless Christians and they don't want our God because of that or they see us with joy. What perfect joy? Yes, we go up and down with mood swings, etc. But do they see us with this joy that we have for our God and we reflect this joy into the world through suffering and pain. And then they want to know about our God. Now if we look at this letter, John is writing this letter to help us understand that we belong to God and then we belong to man second. Meaning we are in fellowship with God first through salvation and then we are in fellowship with one another. And that fellowship takes place in His church. In His body, in Jesus' body, which is the church. There's no individualism in Christianity. If there is, then self is at the centre and God is being pushed to the, or off the throne. And like I said last week, the Gospel according to John, this is the Gospel now, John also wrote John's Gospel, he wrote John 1, 2 and 3. Those are the three letters we have from John. And he wrote the book of Revelation. 
But the reason why he wrote his gospel, the gospel according to John, is to win people to faith in Christ Jesus. John 20 verse 31 But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. You may have eternal life in Him. It's a righteousness that comes from God. It's a righteousness that has been given to us through Jesus Christ, which leads to eternal life through Christ Jesus. And then John writing this letter, 1 John, and the purpose for this first letter, John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So it's like assurance of salvation. He's writing so that we may know. And how do we know? Well, if we're doing things according to God's will, according to God's word. This is a great book to examine our hearts. And John provides a number of ways in which we can know that we are believers. We're going to go through them as we work through this letter. There's a contrast between walking in light and walking in darkness. If God is light, how can you walk in darkness still? We'll look at that, Lord willing, next week. There are those who love their brother, and there's those who hate their brother. There's people that say they're Christians, but they show no love for their brothers and sisters. They're more patting them on the back and say, go well and we pray for you, but they don't get involved and help meet their needs and, and love them getting dirty and, and helping physically. There are those who love the world and those who don't love the world. There are those who practice righteousness and those who don't practice righteousness. There are those who love and those who don't love. There are those who keep God's word or His commandments and then those who do not. There are those who believe God and those who do not believe Him. And in those who have the Son and those who do not. So John is also trying to counter false teachers. Some of the, the, the believers here have been led astray through false teaching. And John says, examine. If you say you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus, then you should do the things that he has commanded us to do according to his will and purpose, to bring him glory. You can't do as you please. You've got to walk in a manner in the same way as Jesus walked. So as we turn now to these first four verses, like I said last week, we looked at our first truth that opens up our pathway to joy complete, which I'm going to recap quickly, and then we're going to look at our second truth that comes from the last couple of verses, from verse 3 to 4 of 1, 1 John chapter 1. Our first truth that we need to know that opens up the pathway to joy is our eternal life with God. You cannot have joy complete until you have eternal life with God, until God has saved you. And this is what verses 1 to 2 of 1 John chapter 1 is all about. We know, maybe you don't know sitting here this morning, but the only way to eternal life and to have eternal life with God our Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, I am the way. I am the way. There's no other way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And John is explaining in this letter that he has met Jesus. He's an eyewitness. He has witnessed. We have heard. We've seen. We've looked. We've touched concerning the word of life. And you want to go hear more about that? Go listen to last week's sermon. Because the word of life is there is Jesus Christ. If you have to go back to John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that is talking about Jesus. And the beginning also takes you back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It's all linking to Christ, to Jesus. He was always there eternally. And John is helping us to understand that. He's, he's, he's getting the, the recipients, the readers, and us our eyes fixed and focused back on the word of life. In verse 2 is also the, the eternal life. At the end there, and to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. So John and the other apostles, they were chosen witnesses, they saw, they heard, they touched Jesus, the Son of God, who had existed from the beginning. The Son of God had eternal fellowship with the Father, and now he extends this fellowship to those who put their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Jesus is the word of life. He is the self-revelation of God who is life. He came to reveal and make God known. That's what John says in, in verse 18 of John's Gospel, chapter 1. No one has ever seen God. No one, do we hear that? No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Jesus Christ has made God known. That's what He came. He came to make God known. Or we can say, in Jesus, God has made Himself known, known savingly. God has made Himself known savingly in Jesus. And this is what John's trying to tell us in the first two verses. That Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Word. He's God's eternal Word. And Jesus came in the flesh. God in the flesh. And verses 1 to 2 of, of 1 John is a message all about Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ, what he did. There's a name, or we can say words and works. There's a message in that name. And it's a message we're supposed to share with people. It's all about Jesus Christ. And the eternal life that comes through him opens up our way to joy complete. It's a joy inexpressible. You've heard that, you can't explain it. You go through suffering and pain, but there's still that underlying joy, peace, patience that you, that, that you can't explain. But you receive this joy once you've believed in Jesus Christ, once you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be born of God. And like I said, joy complete comes from eternal life. We cannot manufacture this joy. So faith in Jesus Christ gives us eternal life, which opens up our pathway to joy complete. A joy that can never be duplicated by the world. 
That's why the disciples could, could go off with joy when they went back to Jerusalem and to go to the upper room and pray until the Holy Spirit was sent. They had a joy. And do we have that joy? That joy that is inexpressible. But that was our first truth that opens up the pathway to joy complete. Well, let's look at our second truth. And our second truth is a very important truth that opens up our pathway to joy complete. Because it's our fellowship with God. First, that should bring great joy. And then there's our fellowship with His people. If I'm fellowshipping with Mornay, then I am fellowshipping with His God if He is a true believer. That's what we will we'll see here. When, when John says, you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. When true Christians, true believers get together and they have true fellowship with each other, they are also have fellowship with the Father and Jesus Christ. Because His Spirit is in them. And that fellowship should take place in the church. Not just around a cup of coffee, one-on-one. See, the purpose of the Gospel of God is to save us. It's there to give us eternal life. So that we may have fellowship with God and then His people. Fellowship is one of the New Testament great words. It means to live a shared life. And if you want to see someone do that perfectly, read the Gospels and you see Jesus living a shared life. Praying for people, healing people, meeting people's needs, feeding the people, rescuing people. It's a shared life. And that's God's purpose in rescuing us. He rescues us so that we can have fellowship with Him, obviously, first. And then from that flows the fellowship with each other. Because when John says here, in verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. They want to, they want to proclaim the gospel so they can have eternal life. They can be saved. Then they can have fellowship with us. And who's the us here? John's talking about him and the apostles. It's fellowship with the apostles. There's apostolic fellowship. And the fellowship is with the apostles' teaching. Do we agree with what they teach? In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, there's four things the church did. They, they, they taught the apostles' teachings. They had fellowship. They broke bread and they prayed. Fellowship with us. That's why there is no fellowship with you, 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 basically yourself. The more we're in the church and having fellowship with God and brothers and sisters in Christ, our joy will be complete. We need to bring back there's great need in Christianity today. And that is to recover the importance of the church, the household of God, the family of God. This is where we have genuine, true fellowship as a body of believers. We save individually, but we are saved into a body. And that's the church, because it's Christ's body. Listen to um, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. 
Paul writes to the church of Ephesus and he's writing about the church is Jesus Christ's body. And God the Father put all things under the Lord Jesus Christ's feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then there's another scripture that says, Then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. There's our fellowship with the apostles, with their teaching. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, there is upon Jesus' teachings, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is God's house. This is the church. And we come here to grow and mature the body of Christ through our fellowship with God and our fellowship with each other. We don't just fellowship over a biscuit or a cup of coffee, which is nice. There's nothing wrong with that. But we fellowship and we try and stimulate each other to love and good works. We find out exactly what's going on in our lives so we can exercise love and good works in each other's lives, which brings joy complete. I remember once I heard a sermon and the pastor says, which, which, which I could understand sometimes, but he finds it very strange when we offer to do good for people and they say, no, no, don't worry, I'm fine. What they do, if they're a Christian, is they, 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 they're stifling that person's gift. He wants, to, he wants to, his joy complete. He wants to give. He wants to help, which brings him joy. And if we say, no, I'm fine, don't worry, because of pride or arrogance or because we don't want help because of that, then we're stifling that person's gift. When people phone up and, want, and ask, can we help you with meals? We should say, yes, because you're helping that person Use their gift for the glory of God and they can have joy complete through that. It brings you joy as well. Especially if you've been in hospital or if you need help. We are to, to, to build each other up in Christ Jesus. We are come here to stimulate each other to love and good works that we can help our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's how we show the world and they watch us being the salt and light in each other's lives and in the lives of strangers and our enemies, the unlovely. Now I'm not saying you can't have fellowship outside the church. You can still take one-on-one coffee and build each other up in Christ and have discipleship in and, and encouraging one another or a friend phones you up and needs prayer and you go for a coffee and there's comfort and encouragement. That is true fellowship as well. But, but yeah, this is a letter written to the church and we must remember our true fellowship, our fellowship takes place in the church. First in Christ's body and then it takes place in each other's lives. And when we are fellowshipping with each other, then our fellowship is also with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We forget that, that the Holy Spirit is in us. And that when we offend a brother, we actually offend God. What did, what, did, what did Jesus say to Paul on the road to Damascus when Paul was persecuting the Christians? He says, why are you persecuting me, Paul? Because Christ is in those people. 
So we not only offend that person, we also offend Christ and His Spirit. His righteousness has been imputed to us. So our fellowship is so important in the church and in each other's lives. That's why we help each other to fight for this joy complete as well. External circumstances, moods, emotions or sin can only rob us of our joy. Yet the Christian joy is not found in the things of this world, even though they can bring you joy. Joy should be found in God alone. Because the beautiful thing is when a fellow Christian helps another Christian, he can find joy complete in that because he can praise God for stirring up that person's heart, for working that person's life and doing what that person did. That's boasting in Christ. Not just finding joy in the person, oh, you're a great Christian, you're a lovely man or woman, thank you so much for that. Yes, you can compliment them, but... But it's only God's doing that, that that person came with a meal or with a gift or with something. God put it in their heart. We should be fighting for this joy every day. We should open up God's word and cultivate the joy, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. We should encourage each other in our fellowship. Having fellowship with God's children and with God himself and the Lord Jesus Christ makes our joy complete. It opens up that pathway to joy. Yes, we need eternal life for joy to come into our hearts so that we can have, a, a, that we can have joy through pain and suffering. It doesn't go with our moods. And if it does, we need to encourage each other to get out of that. And fight for the joy that is in you from God. And joy complete will also come from our fellowship with God and, and these people. And these two truths, these two amazing truths, it's all part of God's grace to us. It opens up our pathway to joy complete. And that's why we need to always look to the cross. And see there Jesus gave himself, we'll look at the Lord's Supper now now, to remind us of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. It's only he's doing that, we're all sitting here this morning. It's only he's doing that we can do great things for him, which also brings joy to our hearts. But if you want this joy complete in your own life, then you must turn to God. Repent. Turn from sin to God and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Believe these things. Then, then demonstrate what goes on in your life that you believe these things in what you do and how you walk. It's going to be interesting when we get to um, chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way which he walked. How are we walking? How are we fellowshipping? 
Will we turn to God through Jesus? He said, I'm the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father but through me for eternal life. To have joy complete. Will we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? And if we have, will we keep looking to the cross, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to keep fighting for that joy? He endured with joy all the way to the cross, through all the hostility. In that lovely verse in Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2. And he did it so that when we lose heart or faint-hearted, become faint-hearted, we can look to him to fight for this joy. I'll just read it quickly as I close to remind us of, of those few verses. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And that joy was knowing where he was going. Knew the outcome. Humiliation came first, then exaltation. And he knew where he was going to be exalted, next to the right hand of his Father, so, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So that you may not lose your joy. Fight for this joy complete, which God has given to you through eternal life, and which you keep alive through fellowshipping with God and with one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that reminds us of how we're supposed to walk with you, how you've called us to do your will, you've called us into faith of obedience, to trust you, to walk humbly with you. It's there to put us back on the narrow road. Father, it's so easy to go astray, so easy to allow the world to pull us away from this narrow road, from fixing our eyes on Jesus. So, Father, forgive us when we let go of this joy complete. Be merciful to us. But I pray that as we leave here, that we will fight for this joy, that we will know we have eternal life, and if we know we have eternal life, we have joy complete in us. Help us, Father, to remain in fellowship with you and each other, so we can keep growing this joy complete. Thank you for these two truths that, that are our pathway to joy complete. But help us, Father. Help us to be real with you, sincere and genuine. You've given us a sincere love. You've poured it out into our hearts so we can love you and love one another. Help us, Father, so that our joy may be complete as well in loving you and loving one another. Pray and ask the sword in Jesus' name. Amen.